All right, we are off to the races, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, another episode of the Conspiracy Farm. My sidekick, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich, is actually in the air right now, heading out to, I believe, Orange County, California, where he'll be announcing for Mark Cuban's Access TV fight. So once again, you're just going to have to deal with me, ladies and gentlemen. And before I get into too much with our awesome guest here, returning guest, I just want to give a shout out to some of our very loyal sponsors we've had. If you want some nice, lean, high-protein bison, go check out iowabison.com. And man, awesome and infinite thanks to our guys over at Marigold Resources. This summer helped us out so much with a lot of projects. If you guys have any want any information, advice on mergers and acquisitions as it relates to business, check out my guys at marigoldresources.com, www.marigoldresources.com. Man, I am so thankful. Last time we had uh, this gentleman on, we only had a little bit of time, and there was so much uh, that I wanted to ask him, couldn't quite get to, um, and one of those subjects was Bigfoot. I've spoken many times when I describe this show. I'm like, hey, it's called The Conspiracy Farm. Now, it's not that kind of uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFO stuff, and I would kind of say that as a disclaimer, but I find this guest incredibly Credible and his videos and his episodes of Survivor Man that dealt with this subject so so very fascinating. So we're gonna get him on, or we we have him on to talk about it as well as his tour he just came off of, his incredible music that he does, his shows he puts on. The guy is just kind of a jack of all trades, Mr. Renaissance Man. He is the Survivor Man, Mr. Les Stroud, returning to the program. How are you doing this morning, sir? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely, I you had to. Get his uh, cup of Joe in him, which he now has. I think he said he's on his second cup, so it's now kicking in. And we're going to have some conversations. Like you just said a little bit off air, man, you just got off tour. I mean, you have several albums, man. I mean, I was saying you you just absolutely slay on the harmonica. And anybody want to go check out his music? Obviously, Les Stroud, you can find him. And he's going to drop his social networking stuff before we're over. But, you know, albums like Bitter and Lake, Off the Grid, Wonderful Things, Incredible Songs, Excuse Me, Mr. He Covers. Uh, ben Harper's jam, excuse me, Mister, which he just slays. What you been up to this summer, man? Since we last chatted. Oh well, first, man, let me let me thank you for that commentary on the Ben Harper cover because the album Bitter Lake, you know, I'm getting a lot of uh, excitement over um, my my cover of Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi and my my single my other release, which is my own song called How Long. But for me, the my favorite song on the album is actually the. Uh, what we did with the Ben Harper cover because we kind of, well, I think we killed it, man. Yeah, I did, killed without it. a doubt. Yeah, and uh, it, it's kind of funny because uh, we got a, I got a, you know, if you can imagine a wonderful email back from um, Joni Mitchell herself, the queen, of saying that she uh, she loved my cover. Bruce Colburn said he loved the cover I did of his song and J.J. Kale's Estate said they loved the cover I did of his song. However, Ben never got back to me, the bugger. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like really excited to see hear what Ben thought of, of it. And I and, and you know, but we did the usual thing. You send it into their management company, you hope you get an answer back. And uh, maybe he hasn't even heard it. I don't know. But in any event, yeah, we did this cover of Excuse Me, Mister. And and as you've I think you you're alluding to, uh, that was my song to allow me to kind of cut loose on and blow my kind of harp. Uh, harmonica uh and and have a blast with it but but to answer your question man i uh, oh man you know me i mean what have i not been doing <laughs> exactly that's probably more appropriate question <laughs> well i stay so so busy i'm just off off the, I, I was just commenting to a friend that you know this is the most relaxed i've been in a month because i'm just coming off tour 
Uh, we played the New England states, uh, city wineries, some concert halls. Uh, we played up in southern Ontario, Canada. Uh, and uh, that was in support of the new CD, Bitter and Lake. So that's the, le the most recent thing I did. Uh, but to summarize as well, I launched a new documentary called La, La Loche, that's spelled L-A and then capital L-O-C-H-E, which was um, a, a serious documentary film about a school shooting up in Canada. Hmm. So I launched, I've got that out right now. And, um, and frankly, I've been on, um, I don't know the true meaning of sabbatical, but I, <laughs> I keep saying I've been on a bit of a sabbatical, but I suppose I've just been kind of transitioning for you know what man for like the last year almost now so dipping my toes in lots of different ponds and and figuring out what to do next including with survivor man when you yeah you definitely stay busy in that regard and the last time we chatted um i don't know if you can get into it but we got into it last time you were working on a show called alaska grizzly gauntlet and you know we were kind of having discussions on that that genre that you founded with survivor man and how sometimes it could be uh Somewhat fabricated, if not full on, just completely manufactured. But um, and I think that was kind of coming to a close. Um, Alaska Gridley Gaunt Grizzly Gauntlet. How did that wind up? Uh, wind up going? Well, you know, I try to make a. I make the statement that I always answer questions honestly. Uh, you know, it uh, it was a great show. It rated really well. Um, but the other way of answering would be, uh, not so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying that because of what the premise you just actually gave or the preface you just gave without even intending to, um, it, you know, I'm not gonna, it's never a network's fault. It's never a group's fault. There's always a gatekeeper. There's always one person. Sure, that, sure. And what ended up hap what, what ended up, what began as something that was supposed to be, We've got this guy, Les Stroud, he's going to go out and do all this survival stuff based on wildlife survival, and you're going to get the real deal, turned into hooking me up with a producer that basically is known only for reality TV shows, and they wanted to fake everything. And I just said, "Why? no, you're not going to take me all the way to Alaska and then pretend right. anything. That's not what I do, and that's... You should never have brought me, you know, keep your money, keep your series, keep everything. Well, and it's weird because I, I worked in, I, mean, I graduated with a degree in TV production and stuff, and I wound up, you know, for several years working production and a few, few reality shows. And I was, I guess for lack of a better term, a little naive because they were manufacturing stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of just a one-off because it was kind of a, kind of a horrible show on CW. But, um, and then kind of hearing rumors about, uh, let's just say other individuals, uh, who who were in that genre, and then I, you kind of confirming it. It was you know it's just very fascinating. I mean, obviously you know, reality TV is clearly not. It's kind of a misnomer, obviously, but uh, well, well, no, but you know what? Um, uh, not it, it's not obvious. This is the problem, and I'm trying to remember if I can if I can pull it up. I can't. There's a comedian who does a great quick little rant on reality TV and he was very succinct and nailed it. And if I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to brutalize it, but it was along the effect of it's, you know, uh, um, uh, people who aren't producers or writers writing and producing scenarios that would never actually happen to be acted out by people who aren't actors responding in ways that would never occur. And it's just, it's like it's something like that. And yeah. Yeah. Does it? Well, the thing is the why, the reason why I jump on the, no, it's not obvious thing is because it's not obvious. The, the, the masses, shall we say, are still sucked in. Oh, for it. sure. Without a doubt. You're watching and going, no, I just find it funny. I know it's not real. Yeah. Great. But that is a smaller percentage of people who are like, 
glued. I want to see what it's going to do today. You yeah. know, as like they're not doing anything today. They're following a poorly written crap script by you know young producers who got the show on air who don't have yeah. any experience. And you know, there's uh, that's why uh, uh, fiction has become so like fiction is better than ever on TV. Yeah. From yeah. the Supremes, you know, on, yeah, for sure. it, on up to, you know, the Game you know, of whatever, Thrones and all of that. And to me, the fiction. So the reality TV, it's not obvious. And the second piece of that is that, you know, who else it's not obvious to 11 year olds. It's not obvious to them. They don't know that it's not real. And so you got 13 year olds giving, you know, handing in school projects about sharks because they watch some crap shark week show that was completely falsified and the reason why i'm segueing into the wildlife thing is because that's what happened to me with the alaska's grizzly gauntlet the network wanted the real deal from me we set it all up right but they had teamed me up with a production company that just wanted to do reality bullshit we did the shows i held their feet to the fire so they could not pull that on me but it meant that the relationship went south really quick and it's sad because i love nat geo and i love them as a name but you can't trust the the crap that is being presented as real natural history and it's not just them it's across the board oh yeah i mean the 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 paranormal where they like ghost chasing are the worst where they're shooting it in like that infrared and the shaky cam and whoa what did you hear that Les? did you hear that cut to a commercial real fast and you know come back and it's nothing and they do that week after week after week if you want me to you know i will summarize it this way that is said amongst the people in the industry reality tv if you look at it is nothing more than student filmmaking. <laughs> That's what it is. And I, every reality TV producer out there hates me at this very moment. Well, screw you because you know very well you're getting away with cheap editing, cheap flashy crap stories. It's student filmmaking. Mm. The real producers are making, not, are making fiction now. Our, our nonfiction world has been invaded by you know, 29 year olds who, you know, get in a good position and, and nothing against 29 year olds, but who, who are doing student filmmaking. They're not doing real documentary filmmakers. Now there is beautiful documentary work being done for that. You got to go online. You got to go to, um, just HBO, Netflix. You got to go to the different places, maybe creative stream, but just that's where you got to go. And you got to watch those documentaries. SMTVnetwork.com. That's possibly a good exactly survivormantv.com. <laughs> now, um, I'll bring you up to speed on that because that was a big part of my last year too. And that was a me saying, Hey, let's just let's get off the, the television and let's just have everything there for you. Three bucks. I mean, you know, how how can you argue with that? Right. Um, it's still got its challenges. I will say this. Anybody who's part of that and um uh thank you for holding on and your your um loyalty will not be uh, um uh, dishonored. In fact, I'm doing a major over, overhaul of SurvivorManTV.com so I can come back out and it can be more vibrant than ever. I'm going to turn a lot of it over to YouTube so it's free um, so that I can still celebrate what I do as a documentary filmmaker. Do, do you have any uh, any you know TV projects coming up with anybody? Any networks? Uh, still, I'm in discussion uh, with the networks all the time. At the moment, uh, Discovery, of course, my old family, still talking with them about some new stuff. Uh, I've presented a lot of different pitches and ideas in that. Um, to be frank, the whole world of television is topsy turvy because of digital, and a lot of a lot of people don't know what to do anymore. And there, a lot of there's a lot of shots in the dark. There's a lot of fear, a lot of fear of what to launch next. Yeah, I mean, as an, an actor and a voiceover actor, you probably remember too. Several years ago, you know, when they 
the, the pie got bigger as far as what they call new media. And we're finding now everyone is getting their content, you know, kind of via their handheld or digitally. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely got to. Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, and there's good and bad to that. There's good be- uh, as long. Well, content is still king. I don't care what other guys are saying. Content is still king. Even if you're just doing it with an iPhone, For sure. you still can't just do fluff. You still need great content. Now, the skill and the expertise is not so much there anymore in the camera work. You know who's hack- – well, actually, go- just falling back a bit in the reality TV. You know who's having fun in reality TV? Editors and cameramen because they are just doing all kinds of cr- – anything they want, you know. Now, that said, they're up against guys who, who have no skill, who are doing things on iPhone, and it's great. And you can see it online and go, man, this is great content. I'm a believer in, in the power and passion of really great content. I, I, I look at my, my daughter. My youngest daughter is 11 years old, and, and it's probably you know kind of pandemic across that age demographic. But these YouTube stars with billions and billions of views and subscribers – doing nothing like tasting food or just some of the most idiotic stuff but it's just like the kids are just eating it up well i mean i think this is a kind of a split discussion and it's like in the era of the 60s when it's like don't trust anybody over 30 well (laughs) you know and then we get over 30 and we realize well no we're still just big kids we just have money or we're you know we're more supposed to be more mature well what (laughs) you're describing is what the kids are watching, so to speak. I'm going to sound like an old guy here. And I don't deny them that, you know, I talk about with fashions. Like I cannot, I never got over like what the whole, the pants hanging down the bottom of the ass fashion. Well, that's just me sounding like an old guy because I'm sure in 1976 when I was wearing stupid things and jean jackets and had long hair, I looked dumb too. So, yeah, But you didn't have your ass crack hanging out. Yeah, no, I did not have my ass crack hanging out. No, that was for plumbers back then. Right. So if, 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 um, there's a difference between what the kids are loving and what then becomes mature, um, skillful viewing and content. So I won't. But do they that. ever get there if they're inundating them, satiating themselves with such you know banal content? You know what I mean? It's well, you know, one part of me wants to say yes, we grow and we mature, and the other part of me wants to say yeah, but don't forget, honey, boo boo. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's or funny. or I just saw. Um, Cash me outside. I don't know her name, but the Doctor Phil girl. Cash me outside. You know who this person is? I don't. I don't think I want to know. No, you, you don't. She's like 15, and she's a huge star for basically saying something on Doctor Phil's show, and now she's got records. Anyway, her and some other huge, whatever celebrity music star beefing. I'm like, she's a thing. Like she's this is actually stuck. I, the the culture of celebrities kind of always been there, but man, the it's it's really taken it to a bottom rung. But I mean, you know, like like you said, I don't begrudge them from from the, you know having access to it. It's just it's kind of a sad commentary that that's that's what's cool now, or you know. Well, you're right. I mean, it, 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 we can't begrudge them, right? What we can do, what we can do is provide provide the alternative. The alternative's always been there, and when you're young, you, you, it's crap. You don't want to look at it. It's boring. You don't know. It's it's like, hey man, let me let me give it a, a, a weird example. I remember watching BB King. In the mid 70s, when I was a teenager, listening to nothing but Led Zeppelin and sink saying, oh, he's really boring, man. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Because I didn't get it. It's like when you're older, you'll understand jazz, son. It's like that. Right, right. What can we do? 
we can keep playing jazz, man. We can keep we can keep airing and producing shows like yours. We can produce shit. I don't know if I can swear on your show, but of course anyway, you can. Now we can produce good shit, you know, stuff that that matters and is important and is viable. And if it touches the younger soul, great. But if they're caught up in the fluff of, I don't know, whatever's, you know, for example, the fact that that Honey Boo Boo. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, which is you know, and even just hip hop music, which. There is some real serious talent in hip hop and real skillful, artistic, creative endeavors. And then there's crap. You know, there, it's always been like that. Well, don't get me started on that. I mean, granted, this is a conspiracy show, but I mean, there was, I mean, I don't know how much you were into like 90s hip hop, but there was definitely a, a strategic design reason why, quote unquote, gangster rap was so huge, but more conscious rappers like Tribe Called Quest, you know, Q Tip, Talib Kweli, you know, you don't know these names necessarily, but. There's a reason why, you know, that stuff sold and was distributed more than the other stuff. And this is, you know, how, you know, cocaine got on the streets. I mean, it was kind of a huge, wicked, sophisticated uh, kind of conspiracy of social engineering. But very interesting. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a uh, actually there's a, a fun documentary. Uh, I think it's something the story of the the, re the the disco revolution. And it's a conspiracy. It shows the conspiracy aspect of how disco actually came about. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Uh, um, there is talent in all genres. I don't begrudge any genre. I will listen to great rap, you know. I happen to be, be a fan of, of Eminem. And Eminem, I can never say that. Eminem. <laughs> Eminem. You know, yeah, absolutely. Guy. Marshall Mathers, of course. Yes, thank you. So, and, and you know, there was talent in disco and there's crap disco. There's talent in folk and crap folk. Talent in right. rock and crap folk. Ta uh, talent in country and crap country. So, uh, you just... But it is a we're we're way off we're tangenting all over the place here, my friend. But <laughs> it's uh, music, we're talking music. Well, it's a frustration of mine. The, the 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 just the mass appeal stuff. You just so what do you do? You counter it by trying to continually inject more intelligent work into all of these genres. And and what can you do if I you know look, man, if I can be more blunt and say I call them the mouth mouth breathing knuckle draggers. Right, right. Uh, I, I got no, I got, and unfortunately, a lot of them love Survivor Man, you know, and, and I, I got no beef with them. I just, I just, I try to create to another audience if I can. Right, right. Well, and then seeing what's happened to certain musics like, you know, hip hop, it is such a powerful genre and can really kind of define a culture. You know, if you take something, you know, so some awesome hip hop, in my opinion, like I said, Tribe Called Quest, Tupac, etc., and then you hear what's happening now with that medium of, of what they call mumble rap, and they've they've really weaponized, almost like they did gangster rap, but they've weaponized it in another way to really kind of destroy destroy the genre. I mean, similar to like reality TV, they've taken something like something very pure that you did, really instilling uh, very powerful uh, habits and techniques and tools to learn to you know. I don't want to mention his name. I don't I hate to just hate on any individual, but you know the, the former oh, British. So bigger than where you're going, as far as the one individual, it's all of the shows. Yeah, for sure. It's what it, you're right. You touched on the right thing. Uh, reality television. Let's let's stick with the, the genre of reality TV as it pertains to natural history and adventure, because I'm like an adventure filmmaker. Well, as a documentary version, that that is a beautiful, pure thing, and 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 so you know. Thank God for David Attenborough in the natural history world and, hmm. and, and Jacques Cousteau where I started. Now, there's always flubs here and there, but a pure thing. Reality took it and just fed it on a bed of lies. You know, snakes don't really do that. That lion doesn't actually do that. Sharks don't really do that. 
but they they just created this bed of lies to to serve it up so that they could get better ratings and that if there's an irking in me that's it man i grew up with you know wanting to re- learn real things about um freaking grasshoppers and cougars well into you know? really goes i mean it really goes to cheapen what like i said you started i mean i, I would watch like old school survivor man it's just like holy shit you and a camera i mean it was just it's crazy and it's like to really kind of cheapen that and then throw in these kind of manufactured situations it's really unfortunate but that's like i was so i was happy to hear you talk about in our last interview about the grizzly gauntlet and how i was pretty shocked like national geographic and you i thought that would have been a great marriage and that would have been a really cool show but i mean to hear it should have been a marriage you know made in heaven for sure but that's because you and i are talking about the original nat geo we're talking about national geographic magazine we're talking about a serious attempt at strong documentaries which they can do, and they do do, and they do air. <clears throat> However, like all networks, with the cheapness of the production of reality television versus the ratings gathering and the profit of reality TV, they fell in love with all of that. Everybody's in love with that. And, I, you know, do I begrudge it? In some ways, yeah, because like you say, it cheapens a beautiful uh, creative endeavor um, and it cheapens life that the, the, the masses who are sucked into just that, that whole non-thinking lifestyle, you know, it ain't me, you know, I don't believe ignorance is bliss. Well, then I'd rather not be so happy. <laughs> you know, I don't like ignorance is bliss. I don't, right. I don't like that form of existence. It's, I want to. I, I want to be a thinking man. I want to. I want to be smart about my art. You know, which is interesting. I mean, not to I mean, extend the conspiracy, but that tends to be you know frowned upon. Self sufficiency, which you were trying to do, tends to be frowned upon. A thinking human being. I mean, look at like we're talking about with the YouTube content. Look at how they've dumbed down everything to the lowest kind of common denominator. You know, and and thinking self sufficient individuals like yourself and that movement, and that genre is like, no, we can't have that. We got to turn it into whatever they've tried to turn it into. And well, successfully yeah, done it. Conspiracy, isn't it? Because now you're you're scratching the surface of of the elites to the Illuminati to you know, <laughs> Freemasons to. Well, to I mean, you got you got people getting pinched for collecting rainwater in certain states. I mean, it's just whatever across the board. You know, not not being able to find heirloom tomatoes with seeds in it. You know what I mean? So you you can't create your own garden, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's kind of it's the interesting. Is it is how much of how much of all of that? I know where you're talking. You're going. How much of all of that has its seed in actual conspirative thinking versus accidental conspirative thinking? You know, like you know what I mean? Like, like for the want of greed, you get whatever Monsanto does. Which, by the way, recently they changed their name. Huh. And you know, on the other hand, for the want of world domination, things are planted. I, I you know, for. <laughs> You know, I love all that. I got. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't know if sit here and obsess about it or bring it up at parties. Or, sure. You know, but I do love the just as much as what kind of history do I like? I was recently in Portugal. You know, I love the Roman stuff. The uh, what are they called? The Vulgarists, the Vogaliths, um, the Portuguese history. But what I really loved was the existing Portuguese Stonehenge. Well, Stonehenge. Why? Because they don't know anything about that. I mm. love history that we don't know anything about. That stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, what's the writer? Uh, Graham, Graham. Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock. Getting him on in April. We just had a great last. Uh, our Matthew LaCroix. I love his work. Please just pass that on. And say, you know, the oh, dude for sure. Show. 
just reads all your stuff and loves it. We had one of his kind of research partners on uh, Randall Carlson not too long ago, too. And like, again, our last episode with Matthew LaCroix, author of Illusion of Us. That's all we got into was ancient civilizations, you know, go back, go Tepe, all these different findings that are re redefining and, and rewriting, you know, history of when we began and even the origin of human origin of human beings. Very fascinating stuff. You know, in Graham's bo- uh, book, uh, Magicians of the Gods. Yeah, Fingerprints um, of the Gods, Magicians of the Gods, uh, new one, uh, uh, um, Civilization shows, with Amnesia. He shows a carving from Gobekli Tepe. It is hard. took me forever, too. Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Gobekli Tepe. He shows a, uh, a carving from there, or, or somewhere, I think that's where it is, and then the one from, again, also a, a tricky name, Susquehanna uh, in, in uh, Sacsayhuaman, Sacsayhuaman in, in, in Peru. I've touched that carving. I've had my hands on it. Mm. And when he showed the exact same one from thousands of years difference to thousands of miles away, and it's identical in shape, design, format, everything, that can't happen by accident. You know, and, uh, and, I, and, and as I said, I was there. And I'm like, going, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm go- I was there. I touched this one. I know this one. You know, it's like, and now there's one across the globe that's exactly this. It's, that stuff's fascinating to me. Of yeah. course, I've been. To Machu Picchu and and Sacsayhuaman and and many and many temples in Peru, thrills me. I, I, what I love about it is it, it's like the Bigfoot thing. Nobody can claim to know, and I love when you can't say you actually. And, well, and whenever somebody says this is what it is, I know not to listen to them. Well, yeah, because they're finding stuff all of the time. I mean, they found Gobekli Tepe in in the '90s. They're finding things all the time that are, like I said, helping to predate history as we kind of know it. And you've helped me in a perfect segue. So. When we start talking about Bigfoot, of course, there's many hypotheses, many possible stories. But I was going to ask you, and I know I'm not particularly a religious human being, but I've, I've through my research through ancient civilizations, you do come across mentioning of certain types of beings in ancient scripts, even the Bible. So you talk about Genesis chapter six, verse four. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them and they became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So could Bigfoot be some kind of descendant of an ancient giant? Do you have thoughts on on what this being could be if it exists? Well, it's a fantastic question because um, you almost have to get past the if and does it exist place first so we're, we're we basically you and i in this conversation have just done that we've leaped over the fence of does it exist and we're into the the yard of okay it exists what is what it? is it? yeah what i've come to so far again it's a it's a it's a moving target and it's a, it's an ever learning process is looking at all of the references to it thousands of references to it and of those, categorizing the attributes. Okay, just bear, just bear with me for a second. Sure, go ahead. You've asked a big question, so. <laughs> you take all the attributes. What are the attributes? So, we, you know, there's physical stuff like ability to cloak, infrasound, you know, strength and agility and speed, um, communicate. Then you go into the sort of the deeper stuff like c- communication through telepathy, um, you know, uh, that, that kind of um uh, those kinds of attributes to all the historical references, the aboriginal historical references, which are many, many. And what I love to say is instead of sitting on one place and somebody going, no, 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 it's a big upright walking ape who's really smart. Well, that's for the scientists because they're afraid to go further because they don't want to be laughed at. 
Um, no, no, no. It's a, it's an alien, and and uh, okay, well, maybe it has connection connectivity to alien activity. Maybe it is. I uh, one. I don't know. Well, no, it's it's it, it's something that was implanted on the Earth, and it's you know growing up. In the end, what I'm left with is almost is really this is this. First of all, I don't believe in the term paranormal. It's all just variations on normal. Yes, paranormal yes. means we don't know. Yeah. That's what it means. It means or we're afraid. Um, the same thing um, for, you know, supernatural. Maybe it's all just natural. We just haven't figured it out yet. What if, for example, this species, this phenomenon of Sasquatch, understood some some laws of the universe that we haven't yet understood, that we're only scratching the surface of. Right. Say, for example, this is whimsical, but let's say, for example, they understand how to control their own vibrational energy. If they could do that, if we could do that, think of the things we could do, hmm. including vanishing before your eyes and so on. So my take on it, to answer your question, to try and bring it down is, I think it's all of the above. I think it's a species that has access to a lot of things that we don't in understanding and knowledge and, and skill set, simple skill set. It obviously has a physical manifestation because it's big and hairy and smelly. So there's a physical manifestation, but there's these other manifestations we can't explain. Why is this a problem? Because it scares the crap out of us. We don't <laughs> want to know that there's something in our backyard that knows things we don't. That doesn't scare me. It just doesn't scare me. I said, yeah, well, I don't care. Like, so, so what? I mean, it doesn't change the fact that I want to have a Guinness tonight when I relax. <laughs> You know, it doesn't change the fact that I just watched an awesome film, the, the the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. It doesn't change my life at all. It just, to me, I'm open to all of it. I'm, and I'm not skirting around a solid answer for no, you. No, 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 because you're correct. Cause it, and it actually kind of goes to kind of what we were talking about, ancient civilizations and this ancient stuff, which your Graham Hancock, you know, your civilization with amnesia, these powers, if you will, for lack of a better term, to kind of surmise all of those powers a Bigfoot or I'm sorry, Sasquatch could have. This could all be, you know, kick down technology or or stuff that was a part of an ancient civilization that they've hidden now as a part of a lot of these things that they've tried to, you know, like I said, the origins of who we are, our true capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Not to get into a religious rant. I'm not religious, but I think that started with the original sin. No, you guys are fucked up because you ate the apple, the tree of knowledge, et cetera. When in fact that was, that was, was where the juice was, the ancient mystery schools, et cetera, et cetera. The burnings of the library of Alexandria. These things had to happen to keep the story of us suppressed. And I think what you're talking about, like a, a Sasquatch, it's totally possible. I mean, I, in my mind, it's it's if you use the kind of linear thinking, et cetera, et cetera, of, you know, scientific method and empiricism. No, it might not make sense. But if you like like what we did with Bigfoot, we took that leap over. Is it possible? We whatever. I'm, I'm, I, something's up. Something's up. I think the scientific linear process would make it make sense. It's just everybody's afraid to do it. Nobody wants to go down that road. Real scientists won't study a phenomenon like this because they don't want to be laughed at. You know, um, it, I mean. I just watched the series, ironically, on Nat Geo, which I think is absolutely brilliant, a genius, you know. And the first, the first uh, series was on was on Einstein. The second, one, by the way, is on Picasso, and it's amazing with with Antonio Banderas playing Picasso. Fantastic series. The first one, Ron Howard was still getting his footing on how to do it. Not quite as good, but still great learning. And it was on Einstein. And in the end, you realize, you know, Einstein, you know, 
he was a scientist willing to say, no, let's do it. You know, I mean, he was considered a whack, a whack job. Sure. So I think in a linear sense, we could go down this road. Everybody's just afraid to. Um, but in the app, and, and this is the thing nowadays, more and more stuff is being talked about. Can we not please get in the same living room and combine the creative and abstract with the scientific? Let's come on, man. That is what we need. We need scientists willing to be abstract and abstract people willing to to be studied, so to speak. Well, you know, and I, I think if those marriages do occur and you, you, you see something like a, a Nikola Tesla with Nikola Tesla technology tapping into energies and meridians on the planet capable of giving free energy to everyone, you have your Carnegie's and your J.P. Morgan's or these titans of industry that will not allow something like that. Because, again, that goes goes to what I was talking about, about being self-sufficient, et cetera, et cetera. If they can't make money off it, that's a huge problem. Well, I think that what uh, you personally, hearing where you're going, have to be careful of doing is is lumping down to a single moment in time, a single conspiracy. Because remember what I said, and this is just my own whimsical thinking, nothing more, where you have absolute we're going to do this behind the scenes so that this can happen so we can stay rich versus it happens accidentally. It's like accidental conspiracy. Hmm. I think both go on at the same time. I think one leads to the other. I think there definitely are people in back rooms who are planting absolute conspiratorial seeds. But on the other hand, shit's going on that they didn't even count on. And sometimes it's like, yeah, they're excited and thrilled because it worked in their benefit or oh crap. Their whole plan fell apart because this took over instead. Well, I mean, I think yeah. of the guy who, who invented the car, the, invented the, the uh, not too long ago in the 90s. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he invented the hydrogen cell and found basically cars that can, built cars that ran on water, had uh, deals with the Pentagon, and then uh, went to dinner one day and stood up and said they poisoned me and died on the spot. It just to me it just is like patterns, you know. They manufacture, they lie to you know WMDs for to enrich billions and billions of no bid contracts, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, granted, it could be considered a quote unquote conspiracy, but like I said, historically looking at patterns of things, like I said, from a capitalist standpoint, not to not capitalism, but if these titans, if these few families or whatever can't make money or monopolize that industry, that's a big problem. Yeah, it, it, here's an interesting question back though. It's it's really a, a, a strange thing because. I do think that lots of different conspiracies or mini conspiracies go on in the background. And I think that the whole process, I remember, I'll tangent for a second. I remember when I was in Canada and I was looking at, um, somebody had done an amazingly accurate chart of media ownership in Canada only. And it went, you know, it started wide with 48 names sort of thing and just went chunk, 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 till you're left with like two families. You know, and so, and they up there might do something that just goes woo, watersheds right down to their their own benefit. Um, but on the other hand, you know, what can we do about it? Yeah, I still want to. I still want to have a Guinness tonight. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And it, like you said, it shouldn't necessarily encompass your life. It should just help, kind of dictate and help you navigate. You know, the things going on in the world. I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't exactly. That, that ignorance is bliss in these kind of times and, you know, with certain things going on in the back can be very, very dangerous. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and, and you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, unfortunately, a little bit caught up in, in the political atmosphere of today right now in the United States. <laughs> Aren't we all? 
so I've been what I've been doing is I'm ashamed to say this, but I have been scanning the ban of media. I kind of quickly go through what are the headlines in CNN, which I call the Democratic news. What's <laughs> the in Fox, which I call the Republican news. What are the headlines in MSNBC, which I call the basically Democratic news. And then what are the headlines in Washington Post and New York Times, which I think are a little bit more across the board and then finally i refresh myself because i'm canadian what's cbc <laughs> yeah saying, you know and i watch cbc and i get a much better but like, e even in america you can find the same thing that kind of flow chart if you will of all these different newspapers magazines news outlets you go up i mean you got uh what is it news corp or fox owns everything what westinghouse comcast there's like three or four companies that run all of these different uh media outlets if you i posted it not too long ago but you might have seen it it's sinclair media and they're talking about how free and independent their news is. And it's literally, it'll start with one newscast in Ohio and it'll build to like 500 different outlets literally saying the same thing. And then by the end, they're all saying the same script at the same time. And this is this is kind of, while they're all saying like, controlled media is a threat to democracy. And they're all just literally saying. So, I mean, that goes on here as well. Well, in the end, you know, you, you know as you and I seem to agree, uh, ignorance is not bliss. And, and uh, I, I'd love to see that statement corrected to a modern level here because uh, ignorance is dangerous. And I think it's basically the whole grain of salt thing. You know, um, you can't just believe everything you read. I mean, you know, back in the, it, it started, you know, there, once upon a time, people actually thought when newspapers first started, well, if it's printed, it must be real. <laughs> if Walter Cronkite said it. Then that changed to radio. Well, if they said it on the radio, it must be real. Then that grew to television. Well, if they said it on TV, it must be real. And then it went to the internet. Well, if it's on the internet, it must be real. Yeah. And guess what? You know, it, you need to have a filter, people. And everyone, everyone, I've said this before on the show, everyone is looking for a shortcut to thinking. And even if you start to embrace these things that we're talking about as actually real, you know, if they go from being conspiracy to actually happening, then one has to really internalize, now what do I do? If it is mm -hmm. as bad as we talk about on this show, you got to almost keep your head up your ass because it's like if you realize how bad it is, then you have to do something. And no, I think we're too, most people are too... They just don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like I say this all the time on the show. They're, 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 we're trampling people on Black Friday for sales on TVs and shit. We're don't keeping up with the Kardashians is one of the top rated shows on TV. Again, dumbing things down to the lowest common denominator is like the thing. And if you're a thinking person, oh my gosh, you must be one of them. You know, you must be one of them conspiracy theorists or something. Because if if Brian well, Williams didn't say it or Walter Cronkite didn't say it, et cetera, et cetera, that stuff really bugs me. Well, and and the other, you know, it, then. For example, in the American election uh, and on a lot of the new stuff I watch, what's an issue that the Democratic people and all that stuff who are, say, against uh, Donald Trump have? Their elitist thinking. Every time they think they've got him, they're like, oh, this is going to get him. You watch now. And, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> it, went, another, it went from oh, Russian collusion to paying hookers. Oh. And, and you got this, you got the, 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 the you know, the, the, the rubbing of the palms. Oh, we got them now. And watch this. This is going to get them impeachment. Oh, <laughs> it's like, you no. Know, yeah. Cause he's made a Teflon. Would you get your heads out of your ass and stop being so elitist and realize that if you want to fight fire, you have to, you have to use fire. You have to, you know, if you're going to fight the bully, the school, the, the bully in the schoolyard, you're not going to do it by telling the teacher, you're not going to do it with intelligence. You know, so I, you know, so this to what you said, um, going back to, well, what do you do? You know, 
I, if I call, if I say there are people out there who are mouth breathers and knuckle draggers, anybody who's insulted by that, well, okay, yeah, I did mean you, you know. Yeah, you're because probably I, talking about you. Well, yeah, if, if you're a thinking person, you know I'm not talking about you, you know. And but here's the difference. Oh, this is a here's a, here's one for you for you and your show. This is a dangerous one for me to say. Uh oh. But here's the problem. And they're outbreeding us. For sure. That's the problem. Mouth breathers are outbreathing the thinking person. And while the thinking person is like, no, I'm not going to have six kids. I'm not going to, I'm going to this. I'm not going to be a religious fanatic. I'm not going to, you know, okay. While we're doing that, they're pumping out babies by the, by the armload and following honey boo boo on TV. And that's what's happening. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And to me, that's by design. That is social engineering. That's what it's called, uh, the King Alfred's plan or national, what is it? Uh, um, God, I'm going to hate myself after this. It's basically a world population program of not just depopulation, but what you're talking about, social engineering to dumb people down to the lowest common denominator. So it's like thinking is almost a threat. You know what I mean? The thought police, like George Orwell said, you know what I mean? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And so what do we do? You know, you've got um, this podcast, you know, this show. Um, is this, this is a podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, In um, over 100 countries with a few mil- couple million listeners already. There you go. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and, and I've been te- tempted to do one for a long – you know what? I, uh, let me tell you. I've been tempted to do one for a long time. Do you know why I haven't? Because I just don't know what I care about. I don't know what I'm really passionate to constantly talk about and really dry, dive into. I, I meander too much. And so case <laughs> in point to this conversation and this re- recent moment in this conversation, what do I personally do as a self-proclaimed thinking person? After a while, I just get tired of it and I jump in my canoe and I go paddling. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? Ah, fuck it. I'm going to go paddle a canoe. I'm going to take my dog for a walk on the trails. I'm just because do, do I want to convince a knuckle dragging, mouth breathing person that they need to think. After a while, no, I don't want to convince them. It's like you know what, Godspeed to you, man. Do what you got to do. That's, I, that's I, really been my psychology on the show the last several episodes. Like the political climate is so nasty, and some of the things I think I have come to learn is so deep and dark. And I don't think it's really changing anybody's mind because, like you said, we're being mm-hmm. kind of outbred. And so I've kind of lightened it with you know conversations about ancient civilizations, conversations about Bigfoot or your music or what you're up to. Because it's it's really, I wouldn't say debilitating, but it is kind of emotionally sapping to constantly be in that fire and brimstone mode. That's why we started the new show, Everything Combat, because life is a fight. Everybody has a fight in life, not just physical combat. You know, we got George Foreman coming up, Bruce Buffer. Um, it just lightens lightens the conversation a, w- a little bit while still talking something of substance. So I feel well, you. Speaking of substance and speaking of the fight, when my show, dipping back into this pool again, when my show was first ripped off, and I'll say it that way. When that first happened, I was immediately called by my lawyer and said, what do you want to do? Do do you want to sue them for format rights? And I could have absolutely. Now, I already knew, though, that in the history of television, no one's ever won a format right battle in court. It's Mm. just it's too too hard. It's not like stealing a song uh, uh, riff. It's different. And secondly, my network was the the people who did it. So so it's not like it's like suing your mom. Right. And I wanted to have a nice long life with Discovery Channel. And I did. And I have. So did they, you know, did. And again, the network didn't rip me off. One gatekeeper did. One person who hasn't been with the network in 15 years. One executive producer said, 
if Les won't cheat his show, we're going to make a copy of his show. That's one thing. So did I want to battle them? Well, verbally and on the phone and in meetings, damn right. But did I want to go to the next level of battle? Now, life's too short, man. I got. So what did I do? I stayed the course. And 20 years later, I'm known as the only authentic survival person on TV. And do I say that with um, braggadocio? Do I say that with arrogance? Fucking right I do. <laughs> the guy who did it, you know, so show me where they actually did what I did. Nobody, nobody did what I did. So I'm going to hold that title, be proud of it and honor it, you know. Um, As well you and, should. And that's where I'm at. I, I, I remain. Now, do I have the money that Bear Grylls has or the producers of Naked and Afraid? Not even a point of a percentage of their money do I have. But do I have a, a, a wonderful life? Absolutely, man. And when I need to, I'll just go back in my canoe or hike with my dog. <laughs> you know? Because I don't, I'm not, you know, that's not my pursuit. It was never, it was never money. You know, it was, it was the pursuit. You know, and, and, and I will say this. When you and I have these frustrations as thinking people, and we're, we're being, are we being elitist and arrogant at the moment? Well, screw you. Yes, we are. Because we, we want to, we want to be thinking. We want to be smart. We want to be intelligent. And I, the other, a, a while ago, I got really frustrated and I said, I don't know, what do I do when I look at the state of the world, when I look at the conspiracy theories, when I look at the state of politics, what do I do? This is, I can't, like, this is good. And, and, and said to me, well, my father, this is a friend of mine, friend of mine saying this, my father, who's a very intelligent man, he sinks back into the classics. He reads the classics. He reads Socrates. He reads this. He reads that. He re and I thought, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Sink into the arts, go look at a Picasso and stare at it for a few hours. Go mm -hmm. read a Shakespeare for, for art and creativity. Go read a, a, a Plato or whatever, you know, go read of the masters. The things that, that elevate, I mean, not to get all transcendental, but like elevate your consciousness just because like I said, everything is so bottom rung, low energy, just, you know, really just, uh, like I said, to the con, not everything. It's just, you just see kind of the cultures just so, you know, I, I, you know what? You know what I said yesterday. I, I was or a couple of days ago. I was on tour, and I was talking to my guitar player about this kind of stuff. And I said, you know what? I wish I, I can't be like this. But I said, but I said, I wish I could be just the kind of entertainer like ACDC, who don't never gave a shit about <laughs> about anything other than sex, drugs, and rock and roll, baby. <laughs> you know, that's I, I wish I could be like that. But the minute I start to write a lyric. I can't write just about getting high right. or, or bedding somebody, if you know what I mean. I can't, I can't, I got to write about, so I, but I, I wish I could be like that. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, it's, you know, you, you see, again, beautiful music, great music, but just, you know, kind of destructive, self-destructive. I mean, your music, back to your music a little bit, I mean, you, your, your music speaks to your essence, or your essence, you know, lends itself to its music, very environmental you know what I mean? It's very, very conscious. You know what I mean? And another thing, back to your music, which I found awesome, dude. You had uh, Mike Clink, a producer who used to work with Guns N' Roses on, on one of your albums. And you actually had Slash play on one of your albums. Not to jump back, bounce around, but no, pretty awesome. For, for spinning it back, I will tell you this, that because it's part of our conversation, too. So, for example, I'm a, I'm a creator. I'm a content creator. So, musically, I create. All right. Should I just do, do you know, rock and roll? And should I just do my... <laughs> Well, I do that. I've got some rock and roll. I've got my love songs. And I'm actually thinly disguising that by putting it out under another name, which is the Campfire Kings. However, it makes a lot of sense as a thinking creator to 
to do music that is intelligent and about the environment, about nature, either celebrating or a call to action. And to go perfectly segue based on your question, that is what brought Mike Klink into my world. Mike Klink is a legend in the recording industry. And he just simply said, A, how's the music? Oh, your music is great, Les. B, your message, I like it. Because Mike, like Mike and I call each other recycling Nazis. He gets it. He hates seeing the destruction of the planet, environmentally speaking. So he sees my musical project as a vital project, and he thinks the music is great. Enter the next level. My stuff has always been roots rock, acoustic, you know, David Matthews with an acoustic guitar, Ray LaMontagne styled, right? The next album we have coming out, my, my, uh, my, another album produced by Mike Klink, featuring Slash, featuring Steve Vai, nice. featuring Mindy Abair on, on, on saxophone, uh, Aerosmith saxophonist, um, is an epic, I say that very uh, humbly, but I, it's, it's an epic rock album. It's full tilt rock, man. It's like That's a nice ensemble right there, brother. I, I, I like, they hate when I do this, but I like to call it Tool Meets Dave Matthews. And that's <laughs> what's around the corner. And it's a little bit almost, Mike again hates this. He's going to kill me for this. But it's a little bit prog rockish. It's rock. But it's a rock album. So everything makes sense for me to lead down this road with someone with the sensibilities of Mike Klink, both artistically, musically, and environmentally, with my drive and passion and ability to articulate a mission based on the planet. So you see, let's go there. What do we do with all this, with the, with the state of politics and conspiracies and our, and our creations? Me, I found my place. And it's based on the fact that I fucking love nature and I can't help but love the natural world. I'm, a, I'm obsessed, if you will, with the natural world, but I want to be an artist. Well, here's my creation. It started with Survivor Man. It started with films about adventure and it morphs into my music and, and more things with adventure and filmmaking. And that's the, that's the flow of who Les Stroud is as a content creator, trying to be a thinking man, trying to be creative, passionately in love with nature. Mike, I bring in these, okay, why Slash? Because I've got a song out called One Giant Farm, coming out, called One Giant Farm. It's about the oceans. I did a video that is very brutal and hard to watch. And Slash said to me, if you don't release this video, I don't want to do the solo. Wow. Oh, you do this, I'm in. You don't do this, I'm out. It's not about you and your rock and roll world, Les. It's about your, I believe in your mission, the Slash is a great lover of elephants, for example, and I've done some uh, did live shows with him, uh, charity events for the the dolphin, the preservation of the dolphin through uh, the Cove people, the Dolphin Project. So Slash is all in, you know, for the environment and wildlife. That's the only reason he agreed to do the solo. He doesn't give a shit about me. He agrees. He, he cares about my mission, you know. Same as Mike. Well, okay, Mike and I are very close now, but he agrees with my mission. So there you have it, and, and here we are with what's around the corner, which I hope you'll have me on again because I'm excited to release. The album's called Mother Earth, and it's a, it's a big rock album, man. I mean, that's I'm just talking to a friend of mine. That's uh, I mean, assembling the right team is really crucial in, in any kind of project, but I mean, having that right nucleus together is really kind of dictates um, kind of the success a lot of times. And of course, man, you, you're welcome back anytime. And I, to close on this, I guess, I think that's, in my humble opinion, I think that's kind of where we've lost our way getting we need to get back to nature more turn your phone off just be silent for a minute for a lot of minutes weeks i mean if you can just get out and away and kind of 
decompress and stop being inundated by wireless radiation, et cetera, et cetera, and kind of get more in balance. Because I, I just see our world as just so, way so materialistic and, and physical and external. And I think resuming a good relationship with nature, I think, could help bring people in balance. And that's just my, my personal opinion. We are completely lost without nature. It makes – without nature, the microphone you're speaking into doesn't exist. Without nature, the couch I'm sitting on doesn't exist. It all comes from nature. Right. Shinrin-yoku, forest bathing in Japan, 10 minutes of sitting beside a tree. Uh, patients in a hospital – scientifically proven to heal faster and require less pain medication if they can just see a tree through their window. Think on that for one second, hmm. just seeing a tree. Now, put that to, okay, well, go sit by that tree. Go sit in a patch of trees in the park at the end of the street. You don't have to be Survivor Man and go to Peru or Mad Madagascar. Go to a local little forest and sit amongst trees. That is scientifically now proven to make you uh, heal better, smarter, quicker wit. You, your brain synapses grow and connect faster, stronger, more. Everything happens better if you can get into nature. And, and you don't have to be a nature nut like me, folks. Mm -hmm. Just go and sit by a tree for 10 minutes and breathe and watch. And do that regularly, and you cannot help but become more productive and all those things I just mentioned. So. So, yes, that's what my life is about. Scientifically proven, folks. Scientifically proven. There you go. Man, Les, obviously you're welcome back whenever, brother. Shout out any of your social networking. Where can we track you down? See where you're touring next, albums, etc. cetera. Uh, it's always the same. LesStroud.ca. But you just find me online. It's pretty easy. Real Les Stroud on my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is the Real Les Stroud or Real Les Stroud. And SurvivormanTV.com. It's three bucks it's where I have everything I've ever done, and there will be a, a full rejuvenation of that coming soon. So um, uh, definitely become part of that that community. But um, yeah, man, you and I could go on forever. I just there's so many <laughs> things I'd love to touch on. But over but, again is sometime, brother. Over again is we must. We'll do it, and we'll do it also on the launch of the Mother Earth album, which uh, I'm pushing Mike very hard to for us to finally release this year. Okay, so you don't have a, a date, any kind of hard date, or. No, no, we're, we, you know, we, we are testing record labels, so to speak, so Sweet. that we do the right thing. Brother, we need more like you, my friend. We truly do, man. I thank you for being so generous with your time coming back again and again. You are always welcome, my friend, ladies and gentlemen, the survivor, man, really cool cat with his, you guys can't see it, but his cat has been chilling right behind him the whole interview. Yeah, here, but... it's right there. I got like, I got the cat behind my shoulder and the dog over on the floor. Nice. <laughs> Sweet brother. All right, man. Thank you again so much, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. And until next time, peace and so much love, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. There will always be more.